Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. So if you would, open your Bibles, please, to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. If you have a smartphone, we'll be looking at the New Living Translation today. While you're doing that, let me just jump on to something Pastor Tim said. That if you want to grow in any area of your life, spiritually, maritally, financially, leadership, anything else, understand how to use time. The difference between a successful marriage and a marriage that is really struggling is how they use their time. The difference between a successful leader and a poor leader is how they use their time. Success and failure in almost every area is how a person uses time. The Bible says, teach me how to understand my days. Wisdom will come when you do that. Man, if you can come and join us at Pastor Keith's great balancing act, you'll be so blessed. I'm going to be there. I encourage you. This is the last weekend you can sign up. I have a coin. It's a 50-cent piece coin. One side, heads. The other side is what? If I asked you, which side is worth the 50 cents? Is it the head side or is it the tail side, your answer would be, be yes, yes, both, and read, you need counseling, okay, which is probably true. Okay, so here we go. How many think it's heads? Raise your hand. Think it's tails? Raise your hand. It is heads. Okay, here we go. Let's try it again. Heads, raise your hand. Tails, raise your hand. It is tails. And if we keep going over and over again, it's going to be about 50-50. Almost always that's the way it happens over the course of time. But here's the reality. We actually like the head side a lot better than the tails. We really do. As a follower of Jesus, we really like the head side better than the tails. The head side is what we love to talk about. It's a word called blessings. When you become a follower of Jesus, there are blessings. And the Bible talks a lot about blessings in the New Testament 42 times. The word bless, blessings are a part of it. We love those topics. And the blessings of love and forgiveness and grace and heaven and purpose. Yay, yay, we love that. We don't like the tail side. We really don't like it. And that's because, well, we don't talk about it very much. And even though in the New Testament, this side is talked about 97 times, almost twice, two and a half times more than blessings. What's this side? Suffering. We don't like to talk about that. I think part of the reason we don't like to talk about it is because we think that when we become a follower of Jesus, it should all be heads. I mean, you give your life to Jesus and your kids start obeying everything you say. Your wife starts paying super amount of attention to you. Your boss promotes you, doubles your salary. God's forgiven your debt and so do the credit card companies and the banks as well. Man, they rename the street in front of you with your name on it and they pay with a light scent of gold to get ready for heaven. That's what we think should happen. Yeah. Let me ask you, when you became a follower of Jesus, is that what happened? Or was it tails and all hell broke loose? Quite possibly. First Peter is written, of course, by Peter. The same Peter who was like this with Jesus, one of the top three disciples that Jesus spent most of his time with, walked on water, also denied him three times. And in this book, we've been walking through three themes that Peter talks about. First one, salvation, what it means to be a child of God. What does that look like? What does that mean? The second then is submission. When you're a child of God, what does it mean to submit to authority, to each other, to 
God himself, what does that mean? But today, it's tales. Suffering. There are three types of suffering that Peter's going to talk about, and usually you and I are in one of these threes at any period of time. First one is called universal. Just say that with me. Universal. This is stuff that life. It's just life. We live in a fallen world. I, I love the, the baby bib that says spit happens. It does. Things that you don't have control over. Maybe some of you right now are walking through a suffering of physical ailment in your own life. And just nothing to do. It's just suffering. Maybe it's a situation of death that has happened. And it's a suffering of it. Maybe it's cancer. It could be a variety of different things. And there's nothing you can do about it. Although I heard the story of a young man who was single in his late, or is actually early 30s, and he went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you only have six months to live. The man said, wow, only six months? Is there, is there anything I can do, doc? He said, well, since you're single, I would recommend you find the ugliest, meanest woman you can find, marry her, and go to live in a small town in Iowa. <laughs> that guy goes, will that help me live longer? He says, no, but those six months will seem like 30 years. possibility. There's a second type of suffering that Peter talks about. It's called personal. Say that. Personal. It's when you and I make personal choices that maybe weren't wise, and out of those personal choices, you suffered. Have any of you done that in your life, made some choices? Yeah. Maybe it's even choices others made, but you suffered because of it. A spouse left, a parent abandoned, a boss downsized. Could be a variety of things. It's the third one, though, we're going to focus on a little bit more, even though it'll relate to the first two, and that is the suffering spiritually. Suffering because you're a follower of Jesus and you're doing what's right. Think about it this way. If you were a follower of Jesus, and because you became a follower of Jesus, suddenly you faced all kinds of struggle in your life, how would you react? Let's say that you became a follower of Jesus, and because you were a follower of Jesus, you were persecuted, ridiculed. You're even attacked, maybe even people trying to kill you. You know that's happening around the world today. Would you and I still say God is good all the time? Really? Would we still? Oh, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. Would we? Hmm. So let me ask you, this week, will you have heads or tails? Will you have blessings or will you have suffering? What will you have? Yes. They're the same coin, a follower of Jesus, blessings, sufferings. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at 1 Peter 4 because Peter's going to teach us how do we act then. There's four ways we should act when suffering happens. Not if, but when it comes. So let's look together. It's not going to be on the screen. I always encourage you, bring your Bible. Always bring your Bible. If you don't have one, we'd love to give one to you at guest service. Here we are, chapter 4, starting in verse 12. Dear friends... Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange was happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his sufferings so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. So be happy when you're insulted for being a Christian, for then the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, or making trouble, or prying to other people's affairs. But it's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. 
And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what's right. And trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail. If you would take out your message notes, how many ready to learn? You ready to learn? Now you're going to see there's a lot of scripture reference in the notes that I encourage you to take home and look in your own Bible. And we're going to talk about a lot of scripture today. And the reason is this. Most people have no idea how much suffering is talked about in the Bible. So let's learn together. What do you do? How are you supposed to act when there is suffering? First thing Peter's going to teach us is this. Acknowledge it. Say it with me. Acknowledge it, which says don't act surprised. <laughs> don't act surprised. Now, it's the first verse we read, but I want us to read it together. So if you look on the screen, let's read this one out loud together. Here we go. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. Jesus talked a lot about suffering. In John 15, he says this. He says, they're going to persecute me, and because of that, they're going to persecute you. He makes it pretty black and white. But yet it's interesting when, when Christians, when we suffer, we respond like, wah, wah, wah. If, 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 I, if I kept flipping the coin over and over again, landed, I looked, I went, oh, tails? Wah, what's this about? What did I do? What did I do to deserve this? Why me? You would go, dude, it's going to come up 50% of the time. Yet we don't think suffering should come up. We don't believe that. How many of you have ever been on a cruise? You ever been on a cruise? How many have been on a cruise? Man, can, can you eat on cruises? Holy cow, you can eat. My land, well, you don't eat, you kind of graze for four days. You just graze, you know, from buffet to buffet. It's great, it's great. Um, how many of you have ever been on a Caribbean cruise? Caribbean? Okay. Anybody been on an a Alaskan cruise? Have any of you taken an all-expense-paid cruise paid for by the government called the Navy? <laughs> have you? Maybe. Now, think about this. Carnival, Navy. They're both cruises, aren't they? Any difference? <laughs> a little difference. And I think that's part of our problem. See, we think life here on earth, when you become a believer, should be, whoa, carnival. No, no, that's called heaven. That's not called earth. The Bible says over again, we are in battle. So we are on a battleship. We're in a battleship. And we should always be ready for suffering, for things to come our way. The Bible talks a lot about it. Here's some references. Romans 5. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces what? What does it produce? Perseverance. Philippians 1. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, catch this, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where was that in the contract when I signed up for this deal? I signed up for the believe in him. Was that in the fine print, suffer for him, that I didn't, I didn't see when I wrote down on here? Are you kidding me? Suffer for him? Why would, why would they say that? Well, think about this. God has a goal for you and I. It's the same goal. That we're made into the image of his son, Jesus. You are his children. He wants you to become in the image of Jesus. Does it make sense that if we're to be like Jesus and Jesus suffered that we're going to what? Suffer. That's how it works. In fact, 1 Peter 4, we talked about this last week, says this. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, 
you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to what? Suffer too. Yeah. We don't like that. See, now, in, in the time of writing this, Peter's in Rome. He's writing from prison. And Rome is led by an emperor called Nero. Nero was a sick and twisted individual who macabrely tortured and persecuted and killed Christians. So Peter's writing to people that are seeing this all the time. But that's not just the case. Throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, you're going to see suffering in all different kinds of ways. It's interesting that right now it's estimated about 200 million Christians around the world face persecution and the thought and the process of potential death on a regular basis. In fact, it's said that in the 20th century, more people were martyred because of being a Christian than in the previous 19 centuries combined. The Bible talks about a lot. In fact, the Bible says that every faithful believer is going to have to be connected to something else. Look at what it says, 2 Timothy 3.12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, who's that? Who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus? Look at the next three words. Will be what? Says it. But then God also gives us encouragement in that. John 16 says, in this world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome it. So, here we go. This week, heads or tails, what are you going to have? Blessings or are you going to have sufferings? Yes. You'll have both. And when it's tails, acknowledge it. Don't be surprised. Acknowledge it. Here's the second thing Peter's going to teach us. And we, we struggle with this second one because this is a hard one for you to wrap your head around. Appreciate it. Say that with me. Appreciate it. He says, rejoice. Are you kidding me? Well, we read it. Let's, let's look at it again. 1 Peter 4, 13. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. So at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. He says it twice. Okay, that now, suffering, rejoice. Suffering, rejoice. Those two words have a hard time even being in the same paragraph, let alone the same sentence, let alone this. What do you mean by that? It's, it feels like an oxymoronic kind of thing. You ever know those oxymorons? You know, jumbo shrimp, Microsoft Works, you know, natural gas. I mean, just those kinds of things. Are you kidding me? Suffering, rejoice? What does he mean? Well, let's observe something. He did not say enjoy it. He didn't say enjoy it. Enjoy it is weird. That says I'm getting pleasure out of this. No, he says rejoice in it. Re-joy. Come back to the joy. Remind yourself of what's going on, and it's a state of decision in my attitude that even though what's going around me, I choose this attitude. He almost says wear like a badge of honor. If they're suffering you, bang, that means I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing the right thing. That's what he says in there. If you've never read any versions or verses out of the book of Lamentations, sometime when you're really struggling, I encourage you to read some. It's written by the prophet Jeremiah. It's in the Old Testament. And if you ever think that you're having a bad day, go ahead and just read it. It'll make you feel better about your day. Okay? He is exiled. The whole nation's been exiled. He's in a terrible situation. And there is tremendous suffering. Tremendous suffering. But then in Lamentations 3, it's almost like he stops in the middle of his suffering and he rejoices. He rejoices them. He brings something to his mind. Listen to what it says. Yet this I call to mind. He re's bringing it back in his mind. And therefore I have what? 
I have hope. This is going to give me hope. Because it is the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. And what's the last part? Great is what? The great hymn. Absolutely. Did, did, do any of you grow up in an era, or maybe even still do know, where you canned fruits and vegetables? Any of you grew up in that era or did that? On the farm, that's what you did a lot. And you know, I always loved that. Now, I, I love jams. I love jellies, that kind of thing. Man, those are good things. But if you've ever canned, you understand that you use something that's called a pressure what? Cooker. It's a pressure cooker. And you take the fruit, you, take it, you put it in the pressure cooker, and it's in the pressure cooker that's going to take the fruit and make something, holy cow, so sweet. You want to eat it all the time on everything. If you want a sweetness in your spirit, a sweetness in your life, a sweetness in your disposition and how you work with people, God's going to allow you to go through what? A pressure cooker. It's part of life. That's why you say you can rejoice in it. Now, we don't like that. And I think one of the reasons we don't like it is because we have forgotten something. We have forgotten what grace is. We got, let, let, me, let me illustrate. A couple weeks ago, I was talking with a few of the interns. And we were talking about preparing a message, just dynamics. And one of them asked a question. It was a great question. He says, how do you give a message of hope when you've had a bad week yourself? I mean a bad week. How many of you ever had a bad week? Okay, good question. I asked him, I said, well, you're assuming that I have a bad week. And they go, well, everybody does. I said, okay, let me ask you, do you think I have a bad day? He said, of course, everybody does. I said, uh-uh, I don't have a bad day. You have bad days when either you get something you didn't think you deserved or you didn't get something you think you deserve. Man, I deserve more respect than that. I deserve more respect than that. I deserve more attention than that. Or I can't believe they did that. I deserve better than that. Either way, we get in trouble. Here's what I told them. Every morning, first thing when I wake up in the morning, I remind myself what I deserve. And on my best day, on my best behavior, I deserve separation from God. I deserve hell. On my best day, that's what I deserve. So I wake up in the morning, I go, I'm not in hell. Yes! Yes, 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 yes! It's a great day. It's a great day. Ah, I got life. I, oh, that breath. Oh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a gift. That's a gift. My family's a gift. Everything's a gift, including a struggle I might be going through. It's a gift. It's all a gift. And he says, rejoice in it. Here's what it says in 1 Peter 4. So be happy when you are insulted for being a Christian, for then the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. Jesus himself said this, Matthew 5. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. I think one of the greatest blessings we have is that no matter where we're at, no matter what we're struggling with, we're not alone. Jesus is there. If you've you never read the story, I love the story in the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Know that story? They're thrown into what? Fiery furnace. They're thrown, they won't bow down to the king. Boom, three guys thrown in the fiery furnace. The king looks in the furnace, and how many does he see? Four, because God joined him. And he's in your suffering too. When you think you're suffering, rejoice, because you're not alone. Jesus said this. He promised to be with us at the end of ages. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. So, this week, will you have heads? Will you have tails? Will you have blessing or will you have suffering? Yes. It's the same coin. When you do, acknowledge it, 
appreciated. Here's the third thing Peter's going to teach us. Analyze yourself. Say that with me. Analyze yourself, which means make sure that your behavior is honorable. Make sure your behavior is honorable. 1 Peter 4, we read it says this. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. That's the, the people end of things when we make bad decisions. He says, but it's no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. What happens when we suffer as human beings? You know what we do? Someone's to blame for this. And we go, I have counseled a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of couples going through marriage problems. A lot. And in everyone, so tell me what's going on. <laughs> and we, we have to have somebody. Somebody's to blame for my suffering. It's the government. It's my boss, my kids, my spouse. And if you are married, just always remember, remind you, there are three phases to every marriage. Just never forget the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and suffer ring. So let's ask the question, why does God allow suffering? Now, God never causes suffering, never causes it, but he will allow it. If you're a parent, you'll allow your children to walk through things that they have to learn some things. He allows it. Why? You might write this down. Always understand, God's more concerned about your character than he is your circumstances. He's more concerned about your character than he is your circumstances. What do most people pray for, their character or their circumstances? Absolutely. And when we pray for character, God will send us circumstances that develop our character. So how can God use suffering to grow you and I? Maybe on the back of your message notes, here's a couple quick thoughts of how God could use it. He can use suffering to get our attention. Because <laughs> if you're like me at times, is Oh, God, hey, God, okay, we'll see you later. And I'm over here doing my own thing. And every now and then, okay, how you doing, God? And, and sometimes suffering then goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I, God, I need you, I need you, I need. And it gets our attention. God can use suffering to get our attention. Here's another thing God can do. He can call us to self-examine ourselves. That's what Peter said, analyze yourself. It, it looks us, look at ourselves. Here's how verse 4, verse 17 says it. It says, for it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? It says it begins with the church, begins with us. When suffering happens, I want to ask God, is, is there something in me I need to see? Not that, did I do something to cause it, which could be, but no, what was there about something I need to see about myself, of who I am? In fact, the psalmist, David, wrote it this way in Psalm 139. It's interesting, if you ever read the psalms, half the psalms are blessings to God, half the psalms are suffering. They are. Here's what he said in verse, uh, chapter 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I got the letter this week. Fired me up. It's a letter maybe some of you have gotten, and if you haven't, you will. You will. And it's, it's a letter that when I got it, I went, yes! Woo! Time for the colonoscopy. Yeah. And if you've never had one, put it on your goal of 100 dreams and goals in your life, things you want to do in your life. You know, go to Hawaii, have a colonoscopy. Just put it right up there with it. It's a tremendous thing. 
Because last week, Pastor John talked about hidden wounds. Well, anything hidden, it'll find out. I mean, it will. And you know what? A few years back, I had the colonoscopy. And afterwards, they said, okay, we found some things, took care of them. But because of that, this is what we're going to recommend to come back in so X amount of time. Do you think I'm grateful that it showed up things I couldn't see? Absolutely. And sometimes suffering can do that and will do that. God allows to help us see areas of life that we didn't even know was going on. Another way God can use suffering is <laughs> to conquer our pride and remind us of our weaknesses. Are any of you in the room recovering control freaks? And those of you who didn't raise your hand, you're a control freak because you wouldn't raise your hand. We are all control freaks. Am I right? We like things our way in a certain way. And God says, nope, I will not allow you to be in control. I'll allow you to let me control you. The old, I got this. Remember that? The three most dangerous words when a man's getting ready to hurt himself. I got this. And God will use suffering to remind us, no, Reed, you're not in control. Let me be in control. Here's the last one. God can use suffering to purify our faith. If you want something pure, like a metal, pure gold, it will go through a fire process. And in the furnace, a lot of things are revealed. Here's what 1 Peter 1, 7 says, that the trial of your faith, being more precious than of gold, that perishes. Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. James 1, this is one. Man, consider it, woo, pure joy. Yeah, baby, woo, whenever you face trials. Really? Because it says this, you know the testing of your faith produces what? Endurance. You have to have that to have that. So, this week, here we go. Heads or tails, you're going to have blessing or you're going to have suffering. What are you going to have? Yes. They're both sides of the same coin. And when you have suffering, acknowledge it, appreciate it, analyze yourself. Here's the last one. Peter says, activate it. Say that with me. Activate it, which means do what is right. Do what is right. Here's how he said in chapter 4, verse 19. If you're suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the one who created you, for he will never fail you. When, when suffering happens, humans, this nature, we go to one of two things. We either react or we respond. React or respond. What do most people do? React. Facebook. And man, boom. Reactions are natural. Responses are choices that we make. You can react in the flesh or you can respond in the spirit. Peter's saying respond. Respond. Don't react. Do what's right. What's right when you're suffering? Let me give you some last thoughts as we close off. Here's some thoughts of what's right. Walk away from evil. Just walk away from evil. Because sometimes when you're suffering, <laughs> you ever known there's people that if I'm suffering, you're going to suffer with me. You ever known those people? They come in with a bad day and they're going to make sure you have one too. Our daughter, our, daughter, our granddaughter, Emma, 
She's <laughs> four years old, and she's wonderful. Well, she's at a stage right now where she doesn't need a nap every day, but she does need a nap, okay? <laughs> and she's determined, I don't need a nap, and if you're going to make me take a nap and I'm going to suffer, you're going to suffer too. No, the Bible says, no, don't suffering, don't put that on others. Walk away from evil. Don't walk towards retaliation, all those kinds of things. Walk away from it. Here's a second way to do what's right. Choose to love your neighbors, but also your enemies. It's a choice. Love your enemies and those who persecute you. Revenge will never win. No one wins in that. Here's what Romans 12 says. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Another way to do this right is pray for those who persecute you. Pray for them and forgive them. The way Jesus did on the cross, Father, he said what? Forgive them. He prayed, he forgave them. The last thing in doing what's right is this. Stay focused on your purpose. Stay focused on your purpose. When suffering comes, we, lure, we lose our perspective. We lose our purpose. You and I have the same purpose. Honor and glorify God. That's our purpose. But when suffering comes, we lose that. Here's what Warren Worsby says. Much of what goes on in the world depends on lies, pride, pleasure, and the desire to get more. A dedicated Christian builds his or her life on truth, humility, holiness, and the desire to glorify God. The Taj Mahal in India is one of the most elaborate and costly tombs that's ever been built. It's almost 400 years old now. It started in 1629 when the favorite wife of the Indian ruler passed away, and to honor her, he wanted to build this, this tomb. Literally, what he did, he put her casket on ground, and he started to build the tomb around her. As the tomb kept growing, he wanted to expand it, wanted to enhance it, wanted to grow it. Two years into this project, the workers and he were walking through some things, and they stumbled over a wooden box, threw it out to make room for building and in doing so, six months later, found out that he had thrown away the remains of his wife. He threw away the very thing that was the purpose of this. And you go, that's crazy. We do it. We're here to glorify and honor God. And then suffering comes, and we get so consumed about suffering that suffering becomes our monument. It's what we build on every day. Let me tell you how much I'm suffering. Let me tell you what's going on. And we build this and we forget the purpose is to honor and glorify God in all aspects of our life. What would happen if we could get to the point, heads or tails, doesn't matter. I'm thankful. Heads or tails, I'm blessed. Heads or tails, I'm grateful. Heads or tails, I will serve you. Heads or tails, I will rejoice. Heads or tails, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. What if we could be that kind of a people? And if we could, if we could, what would happen to everyone around us that is looking at that and saying, how, how, are, you, how are you doing this? How, how do you do this? Let me tell you, 
about someone I know who changed my life. Could we become a people that are thankful for the scars that are part of suffering? Could we be thankful because it shows us who God is? It shows us the promises he have. Could we do that? Possibly. I think that's God's goal. That's what 1 Peter's saying. So I pray for you, heads, that you would have great blessings in your life. God would overshower you with blessings and you'd be thankful. I pray you have tales that you will have suffering. And in that suffering, you can be thankful and rejoice because of what God is carrying you through. If I can say this, if all we can do is be thankful in the heads, we're a very weak people. And we're not a follower of Jesus. Both sides are the key. If your mom and you gave childbirth, was there suffering? Was there blessing? Same coin. Jesus on the cross, was there suffering? Was there blessing? Same coin. In your and my life, if you want to be everything God meant to be, it's both sides. What if we can say, God, I'm going to be that person. Doesn't matter what happens. Doesn't matter what takes place. I'm thankful. I'm blessed. I'm honored. I'll trust you. Why? Because there's victory. There's victory. There's victory in all ways, shapes, and forms. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it helps us to see what's really going on. And God, forgive me. Forgive us for the time that we've rebelled against suffering. We've rejected it. We've become angry with you, understanding it's the same coin. And in that, we've lost the lesson we can learn. We've lost the joy. God, forgive us. Help us to be the kind of people we need to be that when suffering happens, we can acknowledge it. We can appreciate it. We can analyze ourselves. Then we act on it. We do what's right. So that you get all the honor. You get all the glory. Thank you for your scars that give us this power. And because of what you did, we continue to worship.